several weeks to take that psalm and read it every day and write down verses that speak to you and just allow the Lord to use it in your life and meditate on it. No, it's blessed me. I hope it's blessed you. And we're going to be back there again today and then probably one more time uh, next week as we've been studying this psalm together. I understand that Edith uh, Morgan of Roan Mountain, Tennessee was in the third grade when the Great Depression swept over the Appalachia. And it forced her brother Donnie, who was 17 at the time, to leave the mountains uh, for work in Ohio. And the checks that he sent home each week allowed the family to survive. But it was a cruel separation. Uh, Edith dearly loved her big brother, and a, a long year passed before he got any vacation time, a week's vacation time, to come home and to visit. And she said, and I quote, My school desk was in the center of the room, and I couldn't see the window, but one day as class ended, one of the girls by the window told me she had seen my brother Donnie walking up the road. I got so excited I rushed out the door and started running the two miles home. I outran the wagon that normally took us. I was out of breath when I ran through the door, and sure enough, there was Donnie. Well, she flew into his arms. Remember, she's, I was in the third grade when he left home, and she was crying hysterically. And to console her, Donnie reached into his pocket and he gave her his fountain pen. Fountain pen. Uh, she had never had a fountain pen before, and sure enough, uh, very few people in the mountains had one like this. It was the kind that when you turned it upside down and unscrewed it, you could refill it with a bottle of ink. And uh, the pen that her brother gave her became her pride and joy. But she said, one day I couldn't find my pen. I had no idea where I'd misplaced it. I, I searched every inch of the house, every room, every closet. It was nowhere to be found, and I was agitated. Maybe you understand that. You've lost something. You can't find it. And she said, and I quote, We had been taught to take our problems to the Lord. So I slipped out behind the pile of lumber in the orchard, got down on my knees, and prayed desperately that God would help me to find my pen. But then she said these words, but I had prayed many times for other things and was a little doubtful. So I said to God, now, Father, answer this prayer. If you won't do anything else, I ask you to do this. And then she said, no sooner had I spoken the words that I felt guilty about them. I started to go to the house, but I turned, got on my knees and asked God to forgive me for speaking so brashly. And then I asked him again to help me to find the pen. 
She said, getting up, I went immediately to the house, marched straight to the back bedroom, raised the lid of the old trunk that was full of rags and strings from mother's quilt scraps, and plunged my hand into the scraps. And there, among the strings and scraps, I felt my pen. To this day, I don't know how it came to be there. I suspect my mother threw it there because it made such a mess when I tried to refill it. But regardless, God had answered my prayer. There was no doubt about it. And that, says Edith Morgan, is how I first learned that Jesus hears our prayers and answers our sincere requests. Let me ask you, friend, do you remember a time where God clearly and unmistakably answered your prayer. You may not remember the first time, or you may. It may be sometime, maybe sometime recently. But you know that God heard your prayer and answered it. You know it beyond a shadow of a doubt. You remember how exciting it is? Hopefully you've experienced that even this past week. How exciting it is that when you have prayed about something and you know that God has heard your prayer and answered your prayer. It just does something to boost your faith and encourage you and throw you to death when God clearly, unmistakably answers your prayers. But to be honest about it, sometimes we pray and we pray and we pray and nothing, it seems, happens at all. Nothing happens. And when you find yourself in a situation like that, and all of us no doubt have done that if we have been a Christian for any amount of time, we've prayed and it seems that nothing is happening. God is not answering our prayers. It's easy to wonder if, if our prayers even matter. It's easy to get discouraged. But I want to encourage you today. We must not give up. We must not grow weary in well-doing. The Bible says we're to pray and not faint. And as you know, we're spending time with David here in Psalm 27, and we believe he's on the run from King Saul. Saul is out to take him down. Saul is out to get rid of him. And we assume he may be hiding somewhere in a cave and he's pouring out his heart to God here, um, probably looking over his shoulder. I mean, he's being hunted down. But he speaks out words of faith in Psalm 27. In fact, he actually preaches to himself. He speaks to himself. He tells himself the truth. We've already studied these verses together, but let's read them again because they're such precious verses. Verses 1 through 6. He says wherever he is there on the run, he could be eaten up with fear, but he says these words in Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, to inquire at His temple. For in the time of trouble He shall hide me in His pavilion. In the secret place of His tabernacle He shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above mine enemies all around me. Therefore I will offer sacrifices of joy in His tabernacle. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Now, if you've been reading this psalm, if you've been studying this psalm on your own, or maybe you notice as we read through uh, in, in the beginning, as we read through the psalm in days gone by, it, it takes a turn after this verse. We go from David talking to himself and, and encouraging himself and talking in faith and, and, and victory, and he begins to talk to the Lord. 
in the next verse. And, and it appears that his tune changes a little bit, uh, in fact, quite a bit. In fact, some scholars have even thought that these were two different psalms that somehow got meshed together, but I don't believe that's the case. I, I think what we have here is we get to the end of verse 6 and we begin to read verse 7. We were reminded that David was human just like us. Ram Cooper said this, Note this psalm moves from security and satisfaction back to struggle. We're about to read that before ending in confidence. And sometimes our life experience is like that. Our moods and circumstances may change, but God's love and faithfulness is constant. And what we're given here is a sneak peek, if you will, into David's personal prayer journal as he pours out his heart to God. I don't know if you've ever kept a prayer journal or not where you've uh, either written down full prayers or maybe you've written down what you're praying about or maybe you've listed out requests that you've made to the Lord. There's various ways of keeping a prayer journal. Um, I have kept one sporadically, and I mean very sporadically over the years. I, I come back to it at certain times. But it's interesting, whenever I do come back to it and I, I look back at what I've been praying about in days gone by, to see how God has worked in my life. I would encourage you. I would commend that to you. If you've never written a prayer to the Lord. Or never journal for a while. I would encourage you to do that. And here we have, if you will, David's personal prayer journal. And um, it reminds us that David is human. I mean, think about it. He, we assume he's on the run from King Saul. He's done nothing wrong, but Saul is out to get him. Uh, he's encouraged himself. He's, he's preached to himself. And now he goes to prayer and he just pours out his heart to the Lord. And he just, he just says honestly what's upon his heart. And, and perhaps like us at times, David had been praying about this and it seems that nothing's happening. I mean, he's still on the run. He's still there. He's still in danger, it seems. And so he comes to verse 7. And we're going to study verses 7 through 12 today. And here's, I want you to notice how the tune changes and what David says to the Lord beginning at verse 7. He says, Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me and answer me. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. Notice what he says in verse 9. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You've been my help. Do not leave me nor forsake me, O God, of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. Teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me in a smooth path because of mine enemies. Do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and such as breathe out violence. Now David says a lot in these verses. And as I studied it, it was hard for me to figure out how do I outline this to present it today? And in fact, should I even outline it? I mean, because this is the heartfelt prayer of a man who's pouring out his, his heart to the Lord. But as I looked at it, I realized I could summarize it pretty simply. And David basically said this to the Lord, and we'll look at it together in more detail. But if we just summed it up very quickly, David basically said this, Lord, hear me and help me. Lord, hear me and help me. Now notice he says, hear me. Listen to verses 7 and 8 again. This time I'll read them from the NLT, so you get a different um, kind of sense of the translation. He says, Hear me as I pray, O Lord. Be merciful and answer me. My heart has heard you say, Come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I am coming. I assume that David is alone when he's praying these words to the Lord. And, and I, I find here that David wants the Lord to listen to him. 
Please hear me, Lord. Now, I've noticed over the years, beloved, that people oftentimes just want to be heard. They just want someone to listen to them. People of all ages, young and old, they want to be heard. I've watched as people have talked to me about things, and I'll be honest with you, there have been times people have talked to me about things I had no idea what they were talking about. I had no clue of what they were describing. Uh, you know, I used to work in Christian radio, and at one point I was managing a BBN station in Knoxville, and one of my responsibilities was to meet with engineers who would come out and work on all that equipment, and, and, and we would take them out to eat or whatever, and they would talk on and on and on about stuff. I had no idea what they were talking about. I mean, it's way above my understanding. I can do all right on this side of the microphone, but the other side, a lot of that's beyond me. But I would just sit and listen and nod, and, and it was just, you could just tell those people love to spend time with me. Why? Because I just listened to them. I had no idea what they were saying. I had no idea at times what they were describing to me. But the fact that I just showed interest and listened, and of course I learned as they talked. But people just want to be heard. They want to be able to speak and be listened to. One of the greatest gifts you can give someone is your attention and your time and a listening ear. Whether or not you even help them in any other way, just to listen to them, just to be heard. And here it is, David is crying out to the Lord, and he just says, Lord, hear me. Hear me, Lord. Listen to me. Now remember, God is the one that gave us a voice. And we want to use that voice. And the awesome thing about it is that God gave us a voice, and He will listen to us. Have you ever considered the fact, beloved, that God loves to hear from us? Now think about it. He's the one that came up with prayer. It was his idea. He's the one that told us to pray. That's his word. And he's the one that gave us a voice and a mind to pray. The God of the universe, he did all those things and he wants to hear from us. How do you think he feels when he hears a prayer like this? This is a prayer from five-year-old Emily. Here's Emily's prayer. She's five years old. Hello, this is Emily. I'm fine. How are you? Thanks for the sky and the birds and stuff. Actually, I'm having a pretty good week. And thanks for the mashed potatoes, but not for the lima beans. I, I thank you really much for the meatloaf. And, and thanks for the chairs and the tables and the doors and the couch and the television and the walls and the roof and the bed and the bathroom and the towels and the grass and the clouds and the street. And she goes on and then she comes to the end of her prayer and she says, take care. Amen. From Emily. Can I just tell you, I believe that God delights in hearing Emily's prayer as much as he does the greatest living theologian in the world today. And listen, my brothers and sisters, God delights in hearing from you. God delights in hearing from you. David wants to be heard. He wants to talk to God. And he wants to be answered. Look back at verse 7 again. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Hear me, God. But then he says what? Have mercy also upon me and answer me. In other words, he wants a response. He wants God to work. He's been seeking God's face. Now remember, that's the desire of his life. In verse 4, he said, one thing I've desired. I'm totally dependent upon you. I want to behold your beauties. I want to inquire in your temple. I want to be in your presence, O God. He's desperate for the Lord to work in his life and to respond. But hear me. 
God and answer me. Respond to what I'm saying. Which brings me to the second part of his prayer. Not only Lord, hear me, but Lord, help me. Help me, Lord, answer me. Now remember what David has already said in this psalm. He's spoken already in faith. He's already reminded himself of some things. He's already preached to himself. He's already reminded himself. Verse 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Lord is the strength of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? Verses 5 and 6, he says, For the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. My head shall be lifted up above the enemies all around me. I'll offer sacrifices of joy in the tabernacle. I will sing. I will sing praises to the Lord. He's reminding himself of all these truths. He spoke it in faith. He encourages himself, but then he looks around and he's still in trouble. He's still on the run. You see, our troubles, beloved, they don't change the truth. But sometimes we still struggle. We know things are true. We read God's Word. We hide it in our heart. We, we rest upon it. And yet we're still in Trouble and we struggle and God and and David is saying, God, please help me. And it's interesting what he asked the Lord to do. He asked the Lord for some things. Let me remind you of something. When you pray, this is one of the great things about using a prayer journal or writing things down or, or, or whatever. And that is be specific, because sometimes we pray so broadly, we don't know if God answers our prayers or not. Oh, God, bless my family. Oh, God, bless the missionary. Oh, God, bless everything. And yet, God works in our lives and is so general. Now, I guess that's better than nothing. But let's get specific about it and begin to ask the Lord for some specific things in our lives. And that takes time and effort. But then again, when God works in our lives and we see specific answers, like our opening story, when Edith found the pen, she knew God had answered her prayer. And so sometimes we need to pray like that. And David asked God for some things here and some things that he wanted. First of all, we notice that he wants God's presence in his life. Look at verse 9. He said, Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You've been my help. Now watch this. Do not leave me nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. Perhaps David thought he had done something wrong in his life. He had sinned against God. And, and therefore, maybe that's why he wasn't saying God work. So he cries out to God for this. And he doesn't want God to leave him or forsake him. In fact, it's interesting. He feared rejection. Now, think about where he is in his life. He's human. He's, we think on the run from Saul. Some think he's on the run from Absalom. But either way, it's a horrible situation he's in. He feared rejection. The next verse is very interesting. Verse 10 says it this way. When my father and my mother forsake me, notice that word forsake again, then the Lord will take care of me. Now, we don't think they ever did forsake him. We believe he's speaking hypothetically here. But he's saying basically this, if he is, even if the closest relationships in my life, even my family, even if they forsake me, the Lord's not going to forsake me. He's going to take care of me. And notice here, he's encouraging himself even as he's asking God for things in his prayer. Even as he's praying, asking God, he's encouraging himself. He says, well, even if my father and my mother, they forsake me and they reject me, the Lord will take care of me. And he encourages himself. 
See, David is all about God's presence in his life. His one desire, and go back and get last week's message if you didn't uh, hear it. We talk a lot about God's presence in his life. Verse 4, one thing I've desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. Lord, don't turn me away. Lord, don't forsake me. Stay with me. Care for me. Help me. And beloved, he will Never leave us. Jot this reference down. It's a blessing. Isaiah 49, 15 and 16. Isaiah 49, 15 and 16. Can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb? Surely they may forget, yet I will not forget you. See, I've been, listen. He says, see, I've inscribed you on the palms of my hands, your walls are continually before me. God's presence. God will never leave us. Jesus says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. In fact, we have the indwelling Holy Spirit within our lives. We have the presence of God. And David cries out, Lord, I want your presence in my life. And as I said last week, when we have God's presence in our life, when He is there, everything else comes along with Him. His presence represents so much protection, provision, and on and on. He wants God's presence in his life, but he also wants God's guidance in his life. Maybe that's where you are today. You need God's guidance. Look at verse 11. He says, Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a smooth path because of my enemies. He needs to know where to go and what to do. You ever found yourself there? Lord, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? It reminds me of what David prayed in Psalm 25. He says this is Psalm 25, verses 4 and 5. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. On you I wait all day. When you don't know where to go or what to do, turn to the Lord. James chapter 1, verse 5 says it very plainly for us. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Now when he says, teach me your way, this is more than just directional guidance. Uh, When it says your way there is the idea of the course of conduct of your life. The smooth path has the idea of being upright and moral. The, The NLT brings it out. It says, teach me how to live, O Lord. Lead me along the right path for my enemies are waiting for me. Teach me how to live. Lead me on the right path. Even though I've got enemies after me, even though my world is crumbling around in many ways, things are not great. Lord, in the midst of this, I still want to live a righteous life. I still want to do right things. I want to live right. I want to honor you. Living right and doing right. If you're struggling today, don't grow to the point in your life where you say, well, what's the use? No, you need the Lord more than ever. And so live right. Do right. No matter what's going on. He wants God's presence. He wants God's guidance. And then thirdly, he wants this, God's protection in his life. Remember, we think he's running for his life. King Saul is after him. We assume maybe he's hiding in a cave right now. He's there and they're hunting him down. And they were not only seeking to physically harm David, they were, but they were busy tearing down his reputation. They were busy lying about him and slandering him. And yes, physically threatening him. Look at verse 12. Let me read it to you this time in the NLT. Do not let me fall into their hands, for they accuse me of things I've never done. And and with every breath, they threaten me with violence. 
If you've ever faced physical danger or slander or people lying about you, you have to go to the Lord at those times because that's where true security, stability is. David knew where true security comes from. He'd already talked about it earlier in this psalm. In verse 5, he says, For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. And in the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. And I don't know what it is that you're going through today. But danger in some area of your life, it might be physical danger, it might be emotional, it might be financial, it might be just family. I don't know what it is. But true security, true protection is found in none other than the Lord. Let Him fight the battle. The Lord is a sure defense. And the Lord can protect us in ways we cannot even imagine. And in ways that we cannot even fathom. He's not limited. He knows all things. He's all-powerful. He's everywhere. He can take care of us. Let me give you three quick stories from church history that illustrate this. Emperor Charles V. He was trying to assassinate John Brins, who was a, a friend of the great reformer Martin Luther. And hearing of the plot, Brins barely had time to grab a loaf of bread and duck into his neighbor's hayloft. And he stayed in that hayloft for 14 days. So think about it. You're, you're up in a hayloft for 14 days. And the bread was quickly gone. But here's what the Lord did. The Lord sent a hen who showed up and laid an egg every day for 14 days. Imagine you're up in that hayloft, you're praying to the Lord, and, and the bread is gone, and all of a sudden here comes a hen, and there's an egg. Next day, hen, egg. Next day, hen, egg. For 14 days. On the 15th day, the hen did not come. And he wondered what to do. But from the street below came these cries, the cavalrymen are gone at last. God had protected him. God had provided for him. In a similar way, a dog provided the needs of another reformer, John Craig, who was arrested during the Inquisition. And on the eve of his scheduled execution, I mean, he's getting ready to be executed, Craig escaped, uh, but while fleeing through the Italian backcountry, he ran out of food and money. And so he's out there, and suddenly a dog approached him, and the dog had a purse in his mouth. And Craig tried to drive the dog away, but it persisted in coming to Craig and bringing him that purse, and it was enough money to take him to freedom. One more story. Similarly, Robert Bruce of Scotland was running for his life, fleeing persecutors, and he ducked into a small cave. And after he got in that cave, a spider immediately appeared and spun a web over the opening of that cave. Well, his pursuers coming along, they approached the cave and started to go in, but the others stopped him by saying he could have never gotten in there without breaking that spider's web. And Bruce breathed this prayer, O oh God, I thank Thee that in the tiny bowels of a spider You can place from me a shelter. You see, beloved, God's hand is not shortened that He cannot save. He's not limited by time or space or money or resources. He owns everything. He's sovereign over everything. And beloved, He can use, He can save us, He can help us, whether by hens, dogs, or spiders, because He's God. Let Him fight your battles. 
Let Him defend you. He's a sure defense. He's a mighty protector. He's a wonderful God. And beloved, can I just remind you today that He loves you. And He longs to hear from you. And He says in His Word, very plainly, that He wants us to cast all of our care upon Him, for He cares for us. 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your care upon Him, for He cares for you. 1 Peter 5, 7 in NLT, give all your worries and cares to God, for He cares about you. You know, we've been focused on fear in this study of Psalm 27. In fact, we've, we've called the series, What If? Because those what if questions come. What if this happens? What if that happens? And fear can rule and ruin our lives. But can I just remind you that while there is a lot to fear, we don't have to fear. I want to encourage you today to do what David did, and that is to turn your fears into prayers. To take whatever it is that's bothering you, whatever it is that's harassing you, whatever it is that's weighing down upon you, whatever the what-if question is or questions are in your life, to tell him about it. To turn to him in prayer, casting all your care upon him. Why? Because he's waiting, he's listening, and he cares. Learn from David today. Turn your fears into prayers. And leave them with the Lord. Would you bow with me in prayer? And before I pray, let me just speak about two things while your head is bowed and your eyes are closed. Number one, do you know Jesus as your Savior? If not, today's the day, friend, to turn from your sin, place your faith in Christ, give your life to Christ. To do that right where you are, right where you're seated. Just lift your heart to Him in prayer. Ask Him to forgive you and cleanse you. You want to give your life to Him. You can do that right now. And have surety of salvation. Not have to fear death or eternity. If you did do that, you need to share that with somebody right after the service, I'd love to rejoice with you and help you. The majority of folks that have been listening today know Christ as Savior and Lord. What are you carrying today? What is it that's weighing down on you? What fear is chasing you? Haunting you? Would you bring that fear to Him today? Would you give it to Him knowing that He's waiting, He's loving, He can help, He can deliver, He can protect, He can guide, He can give grace, provision, whatever it is that you need in life. Would you cast that care upon Him right now? Why don't you do that right where you are? Just talk to the Lord. Bring that fear out in the open. Tell him about it and give it to him and ask him to help you to trust him and leave here today free. Leave here today rejoicing that God is in control of your life and you don't have to fear.
Father, we love you today. We rejoice in your goodness. Thank you that you can deliver us and protect us through whatever means you choose. Father, I pray that you would have your will and way in this place today. Bless my brothers and sisters. Help them, Lord. And again, if anybody here does not know you, maybe they're resisting you even now. Help them to turn from their sin and place their faith in Christ. Help us, Lord, to learn these lessons and to take and turn our fears into prayers and find the peace that passes all understanding. Thank you for David being so honest, transparent, and vulnerable. Thank you for these lessons we're learning together. In Jesus' holy and precious name we pray. Amen. We're going to sing in closing, beloved, a song about prayer as we think about it today and what it means in our life. And I hope that you've been helped and encouraged even as we've studied together. But as we stand together, think about the words as we sing them. Sweet hour of prayer. Let's stand together and sing. Sweet hour of prayer. Sweet hour.